The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona. I'm so delighted to have you with us today. Go to the Self-Improvement blog and read about our guest, see her picture, watch the video, and while you're there, look around at the new blog. It's still in the process of being rebuilt. Some of you know it was in blog intensive care for almost two weeks. It's new, and guess what? It's improved. (laughs) We should have it totally together by the end of the week. You're going to notice that it's a lot faster. It's secure. It's better organized. And I want to thank my son, who's also my webmaster, Christopher Conlon, for the amazing, superb job that he did. Sometimes as parents, we forget to appreciate what our children do for us, and he's done a remarkable job with the blog, and I truly, truly appreciate it. I want to start out by saying, excuse the language I'm going to use. I don't usually use some of these words on the show, but today it's a necessity. You'll understand what I mean. I'm laughing as I began the show today. We've been so working so frantically on the self-improvement blog, trying to get it together. You'll understand. Trust me. I understand what it is we're talking about today. Getting our shit together has been a primary goal this week. Many of us have been told along our way in life to get our shit together. We really wanted to be able to do that, but didn't have a clue where to start. Sometimes we couldn't even identify exactly what the shit was, but we knew something wasn't together. We would have fixed it if we could have identified it, but we couldn't even do that. Today, we're going to talk with Paula Mayer, author of Your Life, Your Way, A Practical Guide to Getting Your Shit Together, and It's None Too Soon. Based in London, she's across the pond. I believe it's around 8 o'clock p.m. there. Paula is a qualified executive coach, author, master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming, and director of the communication consultancy, A House Called Alice. She provides coaching and counsel to a number of board-level and senior leadership executives. Prior to setting up her own consultancy three years ago, she spent over 20 years as a global HR director and has extensive experience across North America, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. That's pretty extensive. Her debut book, Your Life, Your Way, A Practical Guide to Getting Your Shit Together, is currently on Amazon's top 100 hot sellers list, and I am absolutely delighted to welcome her to the Self-Improvement Show. Paula, welcome. Well, you gave me a pretty good introduction in terms of covering uh, what I've done. I think over the last 20 to 25 years, Uh, My job has really been involved in uh, looking after people, managing people, coaching people, and 
all that comes with problems and challenges and some amazing opportunities, especially working with talented people. Uh, I have a belief that everyone is talented. Uh, some people find it quicker than others. Some people are talented but troubled and others are yet to find it. So I've, I've been quite uh, lucky really in the opportunities that I've had to travel um, in different cultures and, and working with many, many different people. Uh, three years ago, I gave up my global corporate job. It was incredibly stressful in the communications industry. I was flying a lot. I got particularly ill uh, that particular year. I'd broken my ankle. I had a chest uh, problem. I had a mm. number of things going on. And I think uh, I always say to my coaching clients, you know, if you don't rest up and you don't recognize your own stress, your body will take you down. And it did pretty much. And, Sometimes uh, it's hard to follow our own advice. It is. Oh, my goodness, it is indeed. And I had one day I went into work and some some of your audience may be able to recognize this. And I thought uh, something something had happened that was just ridiculous. And I thought, you know, I, I think I'm done. And that day I resigned and uh, I've never looked back, actually. And I decided to set up uh, on my own. I'm making it sound very easy, by the way, uh, but I went through my own challenges uh, as it relates to uh, giving up work and then being cast out and deciding what I was going to do. Um, but I, I really haven't looked back and I've uh, been able to carry on and uh, help people and coach people. And so the book came about really by, uh, I think, having repetitive conversations. You know, I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm saying the same thing to the same people. I should write this down. And we have lots of self-help books. I think in the, in the UK and England, we're not as comfortable with self-help as you guys are in America. We don't uh, go to see uh, counsellors very willingly necessarily or shrinks, I think you call them, uh, or psychiatrists. It, it's just not in the British culture to do that. Uh, we're very stiff upper lip. And so it's been a very slow um, take up, I think, of people looking for help and using books in order to do that. But it, it's much better now. But the books that we do have tend to be uh, quite academic, I think, and quite theoretical. Um, I know that, you know, with all the reading and the research I have done in terms of the book, there are a lot of books out there on one particular subject. But I felt there wasn't a book that really was uh, practical, I think, and not only identified what people go through, but why they go through it. And more importantly, uh, what you can do to get yourself out of it. So really practical tips uh, that people can use to, uh, to be able to pass through those difficult challenges that they may and, be facing. And it is a practical book. I, I love the title. I think it's really mind-boggling. I think it was very brave of you to do, to name it uh, a practical guide of getting your shit together. I, have you got any flack about that, or do most people crack up and enjoy it like I have? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting actually, and I think it depends what country <clears throat> you're in. Um, when I was, we were, I, I was very clear from the very beginning. It was about having your life your way. You know, there are so many people out there who either live someone else's life or live a variation of the life they want to live. So I was very clear on on that particular bit: your life, your way. And uh, I was talking to an editor that I was working with, and. Uh, we, we pretty much said, you know what it is? It's just actually really getting all your shit together. It was really, it does what it says on the tin, right? <laughs> because Exactly. It goes on. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that you worked in all these cultures and probably found that in 
none of them do, do people have it together. So, oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're in Hong Kong or the US or in South Africa. You know, humans are, are people and people are humans and they have the same challenges. Whether you're rich or poor, people go through, you know, the, the same uh, challenges in life. But interestingly, on the title, the place that uh, people were most concerned about the, the shit in the title was in America, actually. Oh, really? So, Yes, I don't know whether, you know, oh. in certain states or in more religious states and have an issue with the title, but I was told that in, in the U.S. people might have more of an issue. So, Oh, well, let me tell you, probably all <laughs> of those people wish they could get their shit together and they probably <laughs> say it that way. One of the things you say in your book is this, maintaining the status quo, putting on a brave face, smiling for the camera when you really want to weep is no way to live. It is robbing you of the love, joy, accomplishment, and happiness you deserve. If something in your life isn't working, it's time for action. To me, that's a pretty good definition of being stuck. Now, let's yes. talk a little bit about being stuck. How do most of us get stuck? And how, you know, what do you do to help people get unstuck? Big question. No, it is a big question, and I'm excited to answer it because I think uh, the feedback that I've had from the book, the chapter one on the reality check is is one of the chapters that people find most beneficial. So I, I can kind of start from the beginning, and what I find is that uh, people uh, go through life, um, they, they go through their family, obviously they go through school, uh, they go through university maybe and they go into a career and they create a story from that. So their values and their beliefs and relationships and all those things, good and bad, create their story about who they are and what defines them. And then off the back of that, people then make their choices or make decisions based on that story and their experiences. And I think in, in the culture we have, uh, regardless of, of what country you live in, sometimes we have expectations made of us. So when we're children, we grow up and we're meant to do well at school and then we leave school and go to university and we do well there or college. And then we're meant to get a good job and then we're meant to marry somebody who's right for us. And then we have children and then we have our career. And I think sometimes we choose a life that maybe not particularly right for us or we do it for our parents or we do it for somebody else to keep them happy and I think after a while and to be honest I'm seeing this with young people actually coming through they get just as stuck as you know people around that middle age all of a sudden people go do you know what I, I, I'm not, I, this isn't the right relationship for me. I got married young because my parents liked the person or I'm in this job that I thought I should have. I should be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it might be. And they turn around one day and go, actually, I really don't enjoy this. And that is what gets people, that, that really is what gets people stuck. And we get very defined in our story. I call it, you know, the narrative that we have of ourselves. And you might hear people say, well, you know, I live in a nice house, but I really hate my job. And doing the, the job that I did, I, I used to see a lot of people in really in the wrong job or not enjoying it. And the interesting thing about people being stuck is they do actually know that they're stuck, but they sit there and they might complain about it, but they don't actually do anything about it. And whether it's their confidence or whether it's their previous limiting beliefs uh, or mainly fear, I think, comes uh, into play a lot for people. They, get, they, 
they get very worried about, well, what does it mean? And I know that you um, refer to the quo and the go. You know, if, if we're maintaining the status quo, it's kind of comfortable. We might not be that happy, but we kind of roll along. And uh, the go part of that is the motivation that we need to make a change. And interestingly, you know, there are people I know that I've given the book to. Some people have read it and really liked it. And some people haven't really wanted to open it. And the interesting thing (laughs) about that is that some people know that they need to make a change. So it might be in a relationship, it might be in their job. And I think I've been very much through my life a truth teller. And this book pulls no punches. You know, if you're doing something ridiculous, I tell you you're doing something ridiculous and I tell you to stop it. Um, (laughs) Yes. So so there's kind of nowhere to hide. And um, people have something called cognitive bias. You know, they have their own story. Uh, That is what they believe. And if I tell them some information that doesn't match their story, uh, either people don't might not like it or it might mean that they actually have to do something about it. And that is the bit that people ignore and so quite often we'll make ourselves very busy uh, because we're too busy to really stop and think about whether we're happy or not we get involved in other people's lives and it prevents us from looking inside ourselves and really figuring out what makes us happy what creates joy for us and also uh, you know what, what what are the opportunities that we have in life On that note, Paula, I want us to go to break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that reality Mm. check. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Paula Meyer, saying stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self-Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Paula Meyer, who has written a lovely book called Your Life, Your Way, a practical guide to getting your shit together. And for those of you who don't have it together, 
pay attention. You might want to get this book as well. I certainly got a lot out of it myself, and I'm supposed to have mine together. But, you know, we all have our thing. Uh, The first chapter in your book, Paula, and you mentioned it before, is a reality check. And it's really incredibly well done. But, you know, how can people get honest enough with themselves to do a really accurate reality check? How do you know when you're lying to yourself and, and what can you do about, about it? Because if you're lying to yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. No, absolutely. There's a, a quote in the book for this section, which I quite like, uh, by Joe Class, and It's, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yes, I love uh, that quote. And it, it is a great quote because I think uh, the first part of stuckness is sometimes uh, our unwillingness to, to face our own truth. Um, I actually believe deep down inside, we all know what our own truth is. Uh, I think what we do, however, is cover it. So we, we try to silver line it, you know, that we have the dark cloud and we try and silver line it and we try and make the best of it. I think in terms of whether you recognize in in terms of whether you're lying to yourself, you will hear a negative narrative to your story uh, quite often. And you will be more negative, I think, with people in terms of what your life looks like. Um, And I think people sometimes just just get scared to be truthful. And also some people think that they don't deserve that happiness or they don't deserve mm-hmm. a different life. I think that's a big part of it. You know, they may have had a childhood or an upbringing that's been incredibly challenging. And for some reason, they might not be worthy or, or they just might not deserve it. And, you know, everyone deserves the, the life that they want to have. We're on this earth for a very, very short time. And it's not just about us, but it's also about what we contribute to others and what we contribute to the world. So, you know, that hopefully when we all shuffle off this world, we, we make some kind of legacy. When I used to have a therapy practice, I would ask women to rate themselves on a scale of one to five. How much do you like yourself? And some of them would give me a minus number. I, wow. I never had one who gave me five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other piece in that, we're we're taught not to be selfish as individuals. You know, if you think as a child, you you tell your child to share and not be selfish and always look out for other people. Put everybody else first. Everybody else first. Yeah. This is it. And it's interesting. And I think for women in particular, uh, that plays out more so than men. You know, we, we kind of get trapped into this. Well, I have to be the mother and I have to be the wife and the daughter and I look after everybody. And one of the things uh, that I do, and, and you've probably done this, Irene, as, as a coach or therapist, is that the, the best help you can be to others is to be together yourself. Exactly. Because, you know, if you don't have the mental capacity to be able to be supportive to someone else or resourceful to somebody else, or if we've got so much going on uh, that's challenging in our own mind, when we do give advice, we do try to support other people, we do it with this filter of uh, of our stuff in terms of, well, I don't know whether that's good for you, but I wouldn't do it if, if, if I were you because that wouldn't be good for me. So putting ourselves first is actually really, really important and means that we can help more people. Is that what you mean when you say uh, too many people live a half-life? I thought that was an interesting way to put it. 
talk a little bit about people who live a half-life. Yeah, I think it's it's that compromise. You know, I think sometimes we might say, well, I hate my job, but my relationship is wonderful. Or, um, you know, I have this amazing job, but I don't like living where I live. You know, and, and we tend to compromise and go, well, you know, if I can have five things, even if I have two, it's better than nothing. And I think people, uh, when they look at either choices or opportunities, well, not even opportunities, but choices, they, they, they always look at two. So if, if I don't like my job or I'm not, I don't like my relationship, I, I go to myself, well, if I stay, I'm going to be miserable. I'm just going to have to suck it up and that's it. Or I'm going to leave and that will be a nightmare too. And that's way too scary. So that's going to be a nightmare too. And they forget that there's a myriad of choices in between the leave and the stay um, that they could uh, take advantage of, even if it's just for a temporary period of time where we know we're just going to move through this transition of the chapter of my life. So on the other side, it's going to look better for me. Do we have to reach a point of no return before we make the decision to make a decision? Is it, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And I, I think I did. And it was one of the reasons I wrote the book. And I see it. You know, people have nervous breakdowns or they get really sick or something happens just to push them to the edge. Uh, I think one of the reasons for this, Irene, is that we are we are born hopefuls. You know, as human yes. beings, you know, we we are hopeful and we hope people will change. We hope situations will change. And we wait and we wait and we wait for things to be different, forgetting sometimes that the only way we can make them different is when we do something about them ourselves. You know, we, we, we can't sit and wait. And so one of the reasons I wrote the book is to try to get people to make the change before it gets so bad and they get so low um, that forces a change. Because the danger is when you are low or when you're at that point of no return, uh, depression can set in and anxiety and all, all those negative things that make it harder then to climb up and out to do something different. And obviously, you know, when we're stressed or we're worried, our brain shrinks and we can't even physically get creative or problem solve very well. Um, but it's, it's a good question. And uh, I'm hoping the book is helping do that. I know with some of the feedback that I've had, I've had uh, people write to me, which I know is a bit weird. I didn't expect it to happen. But I had a guy write to me who uh, is, uh, was a head teacher and said, for five years, I've wanted to resign. But I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want oh. to let my students down. And I felt guilty about doing it. And all these are really common. And he said, I read your book. And I thought, you know what, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So tomorrow I'm going in to resign and I'm going to be the yoga teacher or whatever it is that he wanted to be. And half of me thought, yes, great. And the other half thought, oh, my goodness. I <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> yeah, I hope he makes it. I hope he <laughs> talk a little bit about emotional baggage is part of the reason we stay stuck because we've got so much emotional baggage. And if that's true, how do we know that's what's holding us back? How do we unpack it? 
Yes, absolutely. So emotional baggage, uh, the chapter in the book is very much about relationship emotional baggage. But the book is separated, it, you'll notice, into emotional chapters. Yes. Anger, guilt, disappointment, um, you know, drama. And so from a, I think if we take it up all as emotional baggage, uh, we have certain things that go on for us that we might react to. Anger is particularly a very destructive emotion that grinds us down, uh, that usually covers another emotion like impatience or frustration um, or guilt. And when these emotions come out for us, they, uh, they, they front a reaction. So we react in the moment, uh, we aren't calm about things. And it's very hard for us to be creative or look at other opportunities because we have so much in our head all the time. And we know this happens when, you know, if I create my story, so let, so for example, if I create my story that I hate my job, I'm single, I can't meet anybody, I'm too ugly, I'm too fat, um, I'm never going to get married. We have this narrative that goes around and around. And one of the things I say to people, if you are telling your story to people that you don't really know, uh, you're kind of unloading your baggage, right? I only met you today, Irene, and if I start sharing all that stuff <laughs> with you, right, that's a sign for me that, you know, I've got a lot going on. And but does that to- really unpack anything or does it just reinforce it? No, that helps you identify that you have it. Okay. Okay. And so if I'm boring myself with the same story, okay, that's when I know I have it. And what you have to do really is work through each of those emotions or figure out what it is. Guilt is, is a big one for people, um, you know, uh, and it can be do with anything as it relates to our upbringing or our parents or that we feel we're not giving enough. And it's all these emotions that just chip away at us getting in the way. If I know, uh, you know, and, and all these things happen every day, right? Something can happen to me. I can get frustrated or I can get angry about it. Um, with the tips that I've got in the book, I know how to work through that. So with anger, for example, I allow myself a certain time period because the things with emotions is you have to identify them and let yourself feel them. And I say to myself, God, I'm feeling angry right now. And even just by articulating the emotion that I'm in at the time allows it to dissipate and gets it from inside of me out. And so I might say for the next hour, I'm going to be pissed off. I am actually going to be quite angry about this. So I give myself a bit of a time limit, right? So it doesn't ruin my whole day. And that makes me laugh a bit that I give myself a time limit. You know, you can be angry for the next hour and it's okay. It feels quite liberating, actually. Do you, do you set an alarm so when the alarm yeah. goes off, you know you're not angry? <laughs> I like that I haven't, but you could do that, absolutely. You, you know, it's kind of time up and it does make you laugh. And so what I then do, I'll shift that anger into disappointment, you know, I'll go, actually, you know, I, I'm, I, I might feel a little bit angry, but I'm going to be either disappointed with that person or disappointed with the situation. Because disappointment is a much softer emotion than anger. Anger is very uh, destructive. It's exhausting. And it plays you in your head around and around and you overthink it and it can wake you up at three or four o'clock in the morning. And it's very unhealthy. And of course, as I say in the book, the person that you're angry at has no idea that you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Very angry. Exactly. Um, they, don't, they don't care. No, really. they don't care. You know, you can say I'm so angry with them and they were like, well, you know, they don't yeah. have no idea. And so it, they'll, it's look just, at you, they'll look at mm. you with this blank look and say, why? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> exactly. Yes, because their expectations and values around it might be completely different from yours. <laughs> and their baggage is different. Absolutely. Yeah, we all have it, you know, and some are better packaged than others, you know, and that's really what this book is about, is about helping people, you know, pack up some of their baggage. And, you know, some people live with these emotions for years, you know, they have certain stuff that isn't packed up, um, you know, and, and as I say to people in the book, if, if the chapter doesn't help, you know, to go and seek help with the therapist or, you know, the NLP uh, community is very good at working very quickly with people without having to uh, sit for hours and hours. An hours and talk about oh yes wonderful stuff yeah so do you have any specific tools that you would give people to work through some of these powerful emotions is there something that works across the board that you can use it with anger you can use it with guilt you can use it with anxiety whatever the strong emotion is is there you know do you have a tool set that you give people i guess is what i want to say what do you do yeah, there's kind of tips uh, relevant to each of the chapters. The breathing technique is, I think, one of the most important mm, yes. because it can change your physiology um, in the moment to do the deep breathing and, um, uh, you know, counting the in-breaths, holding the breaths and, count it and counting out. I think the other one that I find quite useful is when you've got a big emotion going on inside is being able to identify where it is. It's usually in the chest or the stomach and it can be very tight. And uh, we have an NLP technique called the spin release technique where you uh, make a fist in front of your body and imagine the feeling that you have inside within your fist and you start to spin it. Uh, So you can go in a clockwise motion with your fist. So you spin at the speed that your emotion feels inside and you spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it and you get to the point where you stop And then you start reversing. So you start going anti-clockwise, spinning it. And it's, yeah, it kind of reverses the feeling for you and pulls it out, if that makes sense. And it's time for us to go to break. So if anybody listening has one of these strong emotions, take this time to spin it. This is Irene Conlon with my my guest, Paula Meyer, saying stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment.
tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Paula Mayer, the author of Your Life, Your Way, A Practical Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. If that offends you, I'm really sorry. You can call it getting your stuff together if you need to. But most of us have that. And um, her book is really quite delightful and helpful to help you get it together. Paula, (laughs) tell people how they can reach you and how they can find your book. Absolutely. So I'm on Amazon in the UK and also Amazon in the US. Um, I have a uh, coaching Facebook page under Paula Mir, which is M-E-I-R. My last name is spelt. And I post every day on there, uh, not only articles, but blogs and also videos that I do uh, to help people. I also have a close to Facebook community which you can join as well where we have like-minded people who might share their issues or problems and I do some video answers sometimes to help people so that's a it's a very positive community of people supporting each other through the challenges of life so I'm quite fortunate so how do they get into your closed Facebook page is uh, that if they get yeah if they go if they find me on Facebook at Paul Amir uh, my coaching Facebook page there is an invite that they can uh, ask to join through there it's pinned at the top so they cool. can they can get to me through there that's that's cool I appreciate that and um, I might even add that to what I have on about you on the blog so people can find you. Uh, you know, how important is it to live in the moment, to live in the present? And we, we talk about that all the time. You know, it's one of the things mm-hmm. I push in meditation. How important is it to, to help people get their shit together to live <laughs> in the present? Yeah, yeah. It, it's very important. And we're really bad at it, Irene, I have to say. Oh, um, yeah. we, we, we kind of tend to live in four other places instead. And we, we oscillate between those other four places, which are the past. So we might say something like, well, I've tried this before and it didn't work out for me, so I'm not going to try it again. We then go to the future. And if I try it again, uh, I don't know what will happen and it might be really bad. Then we think about what others think about us and we go, well, I might not do it because I might look stupid. And then we have that voice on our shoulder, you know, the devil that sits on the shoulder. Yes. And who do you think you are even being able to attempt it? Yes. Or we've always done it that way. So, yeah, yeah, we can't change. Exactly. So we go round and round within these four places and it can be really overwhelming. You know, life can be really overwhelming. And in the future, we make stuff up that might happen. In the past, we sometimes have selected memories about that. (laughs) Uh, Our own confidence plays into what I think of myself. And the piece about others, you know, to use the word again, really, people don't give a shit what you do. No, they don't. 
Right. They, they're only thinking about themselves. <laughs> they do. And we put so much uh, weight sometimes on what other people think of us. And they really don't care. And you hear when people die, you know, one of the things on the deathbed, they say, I wish I you know, hadn't worried about what people think about me. So living in the present actually is, I, I know it sounds a, a little bit twee, but it is really important, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed. If, I'm, if I take myself to the present, I'm sitting here right now talking to you. Nothing else is going on. Nothing bad is happening. I'm just sitting here and I'm talking to you. And sometimes we have to, you know, just pull ourselves back into that space because it is a safe space right here, right now. And we can make things less stressful for ourselves and less traumatic and less worrying uh, the more we sit with what's happening right now rather than trying to, to think forward or think backwards. And both of those, well, thinking backwards gets you into a lot of blame sometimes. And, yes. you know, thinking forward gets you into a good state of anxiety. So, yes. yeah, the present is a nice place to live. I want to change the subject a little bit. On your Facebook page, I think your Facebook page is just so delightful. I really like Thank it. Thank you. Uh, you, you, have a, you, have, you talk about, you have a video about overthinking. Mm. Yeah, I, it's such an interesting topic, and so many people we don't touch it. We we don't often think about overthinking, and we do that. Talk mm. a little bit about the problem of overthinking. What kind of trouble does it get us into? Yeah. Oh, it's so tiring overthinking. Um, and what happens is uh, the brain is, is, is very good at protecting us against certain things or, or certain situations or certain things that we might want to do. So we might have a certain conundrum or situation that we need to sort out. And what happens, it spirals around in our brain. And the brain says, oh, yes, we should be worried about this. Keep worrying about it. Keep thinking about it. Yes, we should be really worried about it. And sometimes, you know, the brain's very, very clever, but sometimes it can go into overdrive. And we know we're overthinking when we're waking up at three o'clock in the morning, worrying about it, thinking about it. And we will start dialing a bit of drama up around it. You know, I talk about the drama rating in the book. What drama am I adding to it? And, you know, if, you, if you're hearing yourself saying, but if I do that, and then what will happen? And what will so think about it? And then that might happen. And oh, dear, that won't be very good. So I might do this instead. And it gets exhausting. And there's a couple of things that can help stop you doing this. If it's something big that you need to properly think about, dedicate the time to it. You know, we have such busy lives nowadays. You know, we're commuting to work and we're racing around the supermarket and our brain tries to think about this very important thing. And of course, we can't dedicate that time to it. So we just take snippets. And of course, it keeps coming back because the brain says, you're not thinking about it properly. Think about it again. Think about it again. So really think about the dedicated time you're going to give that particular problem. And when your brain starts to think about it it's in, in appropriate time, you just shut it down. You go, you know what? I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to do it on Sunday at 10 o'clock with a coffee, or I'm going to do it on Saturday when I'm out walking the dog or whatever it is. And this is very helpful, especially if it's waking you up in the night. So you're saying if I set aside 15 minutes to worry about the thing I'm worrying about, yeah. I can deal with it then and then say, okay, brain, just shut up. 
Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And be really <laughs> and be really factual about the information, right? Take out all the drama, take out all the makeup stuff and take about the future stuff that you're thinking about and what are the facts right now and what do I need to be aware of and what decisions do I need to make? And, you know, sometimes there isn't a decision to make. A decision can be that I'm not making a decision on it right now. That is also okay. And that works. Yes, that works. What What do you mean when you say beware of becoming a chameleon? As it relates to, in general. In general, yes, in general, getting our shit together. Yeah, I think that is um, when we're not authentic with who we are. You know, when we're trying to be something for somebody else, or we're trying to change ourselves to make someone else happy. Uh, that can be really exhausting. You're and talking about pe- people pleasing or people yeah, pleasers kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know that I'm going to I'm going to pretend I enjoy going to football with my husband every Saturday, and I hate football, but I'm doing it anyway. And that is everything from that to pretending that you know I'm in the right relationship and I'm really happy when actually I'm not, uh, because it's exhausting. And when we're not authentic with ourselves and we're trying to be somebody else, it's a very tiring thing to do because we're having to think ahead about what that person that we're trying to be would think if we were in that situation. In, in your conservancy, you work with all kinds of people. Mm. Do, do you find successful people dealing with the same kind of um, things, you know, the, the guilt buttons, the living in the past. Do, do you see it as much there or is it mainly in people who haven't <laughs> got it together? Yeah, no, you, it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason. Um, interestingly, in more successful people who really want to concentrate on their career, I always say it's the personal stuff that gets in their way. You know, so when you have someone, a successful executive that can't make it to the next level, quite often, you know, there's something going on for them, whether it be guilt or ego uh, or something has happened to them previously that they've not dealt with. Uh, they would like to think it's all about if they were a better leader and they knew what to do in, with their boss or in certain meetings, you know, that, that would mean they would get a promotion. Uh, but in, in my experience, it's more of the personal stuff uh, that gets in their way. So it really is across, across the board, really. What what tools do you give people in general to work with some of this stuff? You know, the getting it together implies that you know they're going to be in total control of their lives. We know that that's probably not going to happen um, yeah. because none of us are in total control all the time. What do you tell control freaks, or what do you tell people who have to deal with control freaks? There's two sides of that one. Mm, yeah, there is. Um, c- a controlling relationship is obviously quite tough for people. And quite often controlling people come out of a fear of not being able to either control themselves or control others. And uh, for people who are being controlled, it's very difficult. Because if you are being controlled by somebody else, I think it chips away at your own self-esteem and your own confidence to the point actually where you become dependent on the controller, which is why sometimes you'll see someone going from one controlling relationship to another controlling relationship, because it's something that they know and weirdly is comfortable because it's known to them. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. dear. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a strange question. Mm. How do we know when we've got it together? Uh, how do we know? Well, I'd like to, to say that everyone's happy all the time. I think it's not just necessarily about being happy and joyous. It's about being uh, resourceful. And I talk a lot uh, to people about building mental resilience, which means that life, life can always throw us curveballs, big curveballs, okay, that we have to deal with. The stuff that I talk about in the book is all the small stuff. If you can manage and clear out the small stuff as and when it comes, which it will, it means that when the really big stuff hits, you are much more resilient and you're much more resourceful to be able to manage those uh, in a much better way. I said this once to somebody who was very close to me. I said, don't sweat the small stuff. And he said, there is no small stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What do you do with somebody? I mean, he was a very successful person. Um, And I said, oh, years later, he recognized there was small stuff. But at that time, everything was a big to do. Yeah. he, he, he He needs to read my chapter on drama, right? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. How to dial down the drama. Um, you know, we, we love a dramatic story, people, right? You know, it's it's much more interesting uh, when we have to retell it. And, uh, you know, we love to illustrate a story to the maximum impact. Uh, where, at, where actually I feel that there are very few big things in life. You know, a lot of it is very small and it's down to us in terms of how big we make it. And, and, and more importantly, how much it gets in the way of us living the life that we want to. We all have the choice. And one of the important things I say to Irene when I hear people go, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I would do something about it, but I'm not doing anything about it right now. I say to them, well, you do know that is also a choice, not doing something is just a choice as doing something is. So be really clear when you're deciding not to do anything about it, you are making a choice not to do anything about it. Do you think, do you think everyone has the courage to face their own stuff and do something about it? Um, I it takes courage. I think it takes it courage. Does. It does, and it takes bravery. Um, it, it really does. And, you know, what I say to people who are, are in particular um, situations where they've had years of problems and their self-confidence is at an all-time low, I say to people, even if you're just open to the possibility that your life could look different, that is a start. Because yes. some people don't, can't even even be open to the possibility and it does require courage and vulnerability and it does require an honest look at what makes you happy and energized and sometimes you have to be ready to step away from fear and ego and all those things but it doesn't have to be a big change Irene I'm not advocating people to go out and you know throw their clothes off and dump everything and you know (laughs) live on an island you know sometimes it's it's the small steps but in a forward direction that can make massive changes in our lives. Just just little tweaks here and there and just little changes here and there can really make a difference. You know, even sometimes claiming 30 minutes a day as your own time that nobody can have, you know, mm. from you, it's your space. 
um, your sacred time, if you want to put it that way. We're right up to the end of the show, I hate to say that. Um, What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? What would you tell them? Um, I have one of my favorite quotes, which is really what I think the book is built on, uh, is by Joseph Campbell. And his quote is, we must be willing to let go of the life we have planned in order to receive the life that is waiting for us. Um, And I love that quote, because sometimes we go through life planning its every inch and deciding what we should be and where we should go. And sometimes just to be able to give that up and be open Things will come to you. Opportunities will come to you. And, you know, if we're brave and we allow that to happen, it, you know, we can end up having a, a life that we want and a life that makes us happy. And that's open to everybody, regardless of who you are and where you come from. Absolutely. The book is Your Life, Your Way, A Practical Guide to Getting Your Shit Together by Paula Mayer. I'm so delighted, Paula, that you could be with us today. I thank you so much for being a guest on the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you, Irene. I really appreciate the time. Let's keep in touch. Let us know when you have another book coming out. And I truly hope that people who don't have it together (laughs) will get this book. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Paula Mayer, saying stay, not stay tuned, but come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.